Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome back, y'all, into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today is the last episode of 2022. What a year this ha- this year has been. There's been so much drama, so much fun. History's been made. Legends have left the sport. There's been runs by young players that have moved up in the ranks. There's been new players. Old players have been doing the same thing. A lot of drama with the vaccine and Novak Djokovic. And is he going to play? Is he not going to play? So much has happened this year. And in this podcast, I'm going to kind of wrap this all into the top five moments of the year in tennis, what I believe they are. I'm going to talk about the nominees in the categories and the winners of the ATP awards. And then we're going to get into the early part of 2023. Now, this is my last podcast for two weeks. I'm going to take two weeks off. Next week is Christmas. And then the week after that, it is the new year and I'm at a wedding. I'm going to be gone. So this is going to be it really until the next week or the first week, second week, of January. I think it was the second week. It'd be like the 7th, 8th, ninth, something like that, right? Uh, this is the last episode until then. So I kind of want to cover a lot in this episode. I'm going to try to make it quick and so that I can get straight to the point. We can get out of here and then I'll let you enjoy your holidays. But the tennis world right now, not a whole lot going on. It's the off season right now, but there's only like nine days until the season starts. Off season in tennis is so incredibly short. So let's get right to it. The top five moments of the year, in my opinion, and this is in all of tennis. I'm adding in some things on the WTA side because there was something massive that happened over there. But uh, let's get right to it. When it comes down to the top five things that happened in 2022 in the tennis world. Number five, Serena Williams' last ride at the U.S. Open. This brought so many eyes. This brought so so much media coverage to the U.S. Open this year, and the fact that it was in America at the U.S. Open in New York even brought more attention to the sport and to what Serena is doing. Serena Williams has been such a staple in the sport of tennis and in women's sports for so long. She has been such a good ambassador for women's sports and women's tennis and really tennis in general, and her last ride at the U.S. Open was no short of thrilling. A record number at Arthur Ashe Stadium led to one one of the best years when it comes to attendance at the U.S. Open. So what a time for tennis that couple weeks was when Serena announced it in Vogue magazine and then it actually happened. That is my fifth best part of the year. Serena Williams' last ride at the U.S. Open was great for the sport. It's bummer to see her go, but there's no doubt in my mind that she'll be a part of the sport forever. Number four on my list is Nick Kyrgios's, his Wimbledon final run. This was something kind of out of a movie. The way that he played this year, Nick Kyrgios has been someone on tour that's had, arguably, he's the most talented player on tour. It's just whether he's going to put the work in or not. And he pretty much met his potential this year or got even closer to what his potential is on tour and in the tennis world. Him making a run to the Wimbledon final, not only was it entertaining, but it was incredible tennis. The way that he was playing during that two weeks in London to make it to the final against Novak Djokovic, obviously Djokovic too strong. There's a reason Novak Djokovic is Novak Djokovic, but the way that Nick Kyrgios played during that, I think opened the eyes of the tennis world that 
He's he's more than just a villain. He's more than just a bad guy on tour, right? He can actually play tennis and be legitimately a contender at all these tournaments. And I think it shocked a lot of people. And to me, that's the fourth biggest thing that happened this year. Even though he didn't win the tournament, him making it to the final, I think opened some eyes. And we're going to see some things in 2023 out of Nick Kyrgios that we've never seen before. Number three on my list is Roger Federer's retirement at the Labor Cup. Just like Serena, Roger's been such a staple for the sport of tennis for so long, but the way that he got to retire or retire at the Labor Cup was so peaceful. Uh, yes, it's a competitive match, but he got to play doubles with Rafael Nadal, and it was more of a celebration of his career and a celebration of tennis, really. And Roger Federer stepping away from the game is something that I think a lot of people never thought would actually happen because he seemed like he wasn't aging like Tom Brady, but his knee and his injuries finally caught up to him, and he stepped away from the sport. This is such a significant part of the year because one of the big three is now gone. So this is going to pave the way moving forward for so many youngsters and really the other two of the big three to win more championships and win more titles because Roger Federer has been in the way for so long. But him leaving the sport this year, a bummer for the sport and a bummer for, you know, competitive tennis, but great for Roger and his future. And I can't wait to see what he does moving forward as an ambassador for the sport. Number two on my list is Carlos Alcaraz winning his first ever Grand Slam title at the U.S. Open and reaching world number one. Now, in this, I'm also wrapping in him becoming the youngest ever year-end world number one. What Carlos Alcaraz did this year is no short of amazing. The way that he composed himself and played throughout the entire year at 19 years old is unbelievable almost. He was a young Rafael Nadal. He looked the part. He played the part. And for him to come into the U.S. Open and win the U.S. Open at that age with all the pressure that was on him, with all the you know the pressure in the prior weeks, he didn't play great leading into the U.S. Open. He played all right, but he didn't play great. So for him to come into the U.S. Open and just grind it out, there were some incredible matches. He had a lot of five-set matches, incredible, incredible matches through that run that got him to the championship and ultimately to win the final Carlos Alcaraz winning the U.S. Open, becoming world number one and year-end world number one is, I think, a massive turning point in his career. And at the end of his career, we're going to talk about this year as one of his best years because it really put him on the map. And last but not least, the top moment of 2022 for me is Rafael Nadal's 21st Grand Slam title at the Australian Open. If you remember correctly, just a month or two before that, he had foot problems and foot surgery because he broke his foot and he had problems with his foot. Comes back from that injury, wins the Australian Open in an incredible five-set match against Daniil Medvedev in the final. Becomes the greatest player of all time, according to a lot of people, because he gets that 21st Grand Slam, the most ever. No one's ever got to 21. And he becomes the GOAT of the sport of tennis officially when it comes to Grand Slams. Now, he does go on to win... The French Open to get 22, and who knows where he's at in 2023. But to become the first to get to a certain number is so hard to do, and you're kind of a pioneer at that point. Roger was the first to get to 20. Rafa's the first to get to 21, and then 22. He still leads Novak Djokovic, who's at number 21. So the race is on. But to get to that number 21, and the way that Rafael Nadal played this year, I think is the greatest feat of the year. It happened in the first month of the year, but I think that's the greatest thing that happened to the sport of tennis 
this year. A lot of good things happened in the sport of tennis. You look at, you know, runs that other players had. Uh, you know, Felix Ogiele out of Asim ends the year just on an absolute heater, right? Uh, there's other players that have played super well throughout the year. You know, Rublev ends the year playing well. Uh, the, when it comes to the ATP Finals, you have guys like Taylor Fritz who plays well at the ATP Finals. Djokovic wins that. He wins Wimbledon. Stuff like that, I think, are all great this year. But when it comes to the top five, that's my top five. Let's get to some news here. Uh, the ATP Awards have officially been announced, and I guessed this on last week's podcast. Now, last week's podcast, there was a little trouble getting it out. I'm going to try to redo it here. There's some weird things going on with it, but you can go back and listen to it. I recorded that before these awards came out, but uh, the fan favorite is Rafael Nadal. That's no shocker. It's been, jo- or it's been Federer for so, so long, but without Federer this year, it's no, it's no shocker that Rafael Nadal wins the fan favorite. Um, let's go to newcomer of the year. It's Holger Rune. Holger Rune, what he did this year was incredible. He was supposed to go to the next gen finals, uh, makes a late run, ends up getting an alternate to the ATP finals. But at his young age for what he's done this year is remarkable. And Holger Rune has such a bright future in this sport of tennis. Let's head to the comeback player of the year. This was not a shock to me. This goes to Borna Chorich. What Borna Chorich did this year was incredible. He has shoulder surgery in 2021, works tirelessly to get back from that shoulder surgery, and then goes on to win an ATP Masters 1000 title in Cincinnati. He had to beat five top 20 players in a row to win that tournament, including Rafa, FAA, Stefano Tsitsipas. I mean, an incredible, incredible run, and I think he very well deserves this award. No one had a year like he did that came back from an injury like that. Now, Coach of the Year, I don't think this is a shocker to anyone, Juan Carlos Ferrero, who is the coach of Carlos Alcaraz. Now, with a year I just spoke about for Carlos Alcaraz, this is no shocker that his coach wins Coach of the Year. What Alcaraz has been able to do through the pressure and everything, there's no doubt that this guy should have won that award, and he did. And then most improved player of the year, I've already talked about his accomplishments this year, but most improved goes to Carlos Alcaraz. What he did this year in 2022 was no short of amazing, and he absolutely is the most improved player of the year. The Humanitarian Award goes to Arthur, or not Arthur Ashe, the Arthur Ashe Humanitarian Award goes to Andy Murray. I think this is rightfully so. What Andy Murray has done for the game and just the man that he continues to be ambassador for the game coming back and everything he does. Uh, he does nothing but shine a positive light on the game and help others while he does that. And last but not least, we're going to talk about the Sportsmanship Award, and that goes to Casper Ruud. I thought this would go to Casper Ruud just because he took so many hard defeats this year. He loses in finals. He loses in the ATP finals. He loses in all these matches. And he's still so gracious afterwards, right? He's so grateful and thankful and uh, congratulating his opponents and just the way he goes about that. Never really throws a temper tantrum, and he just moves on with his life. So Casper uh, Ruud, well-deserved. I can't wait till he gets in a, a Grand Slam title because he is so, so close to winning one of those, and I hope it comes in 2023. And let's get to 2023. That's going to be it for the 2022 season. That is a wrap on the 2022 season. And moving forward into 2023, there are some exciting things happening as we start the year in Australia for the summer swing of events before the Australian Open. Now, the United Cup is in Brisbane, Perth, Sydney. Um, That starts on December 29th and goes till the 8th 
of January, but not everyone's playing in the United Cup. It's kind of a new thing this year. Uh, it's got men and women in it. Uh, I think it's going to be a great event, but the Adelaide, the first Adelaide tournament starts on the 1st of January, and that's also going to get a lot of players to play in it because that is a more of a competitive tournament. Because these tournaments are so far away, there's still not a whole lot of information out for a lot of these tournaments. I do know that Carlos Alcaraz seems to not be playing in the lead-up tournaments to the U.S. Open, says he's going to take his time, get back into the tournament, uh, but not play a lot of the lead-up tournaments. Novak Djokovic seems to be playing in Australia with the grant of his visa and the drop of his ban into the country. So that's good news for tennis and Novak. But I would expect all these players to be in Australia and playing in these tournaments. Uh, Alexander Sverev seems to be coming back from injury. He seems to be okay. He, I saw him playing the other day, so they should be good there. And these tournaments, I think, are going to be great. When I pick up this mic again, it's going to be about two weeks from now, and the Adelaide tournament will pretty much be over at that time, and we're going to talk about that tournament and then the ones leading up to the Australian Open. The Australian Open, I think, is going to be here before you know it. It's crazy how short the offseason is, but that's the offseason in tennis. The Australian Open starts on the 16th of January, so we hit the ground running. Honestly, if I was here and in town, I would probably drop a podcast the first week early in January just so we can get a head start, but you're going to have to wait another week because I'm going to be out of town, I'm going to be on the road, and I have other things going on in my personal life. So I will drop a pod the first week, the second week, and I guess in January to get back into what's going on here in Australia, but it's going to hit the ground running. There's Adelaide, and then there's one in uh, Poon, India, and then there's one in New Zealand and Auckland, and then there's another Adelaide tournament. Boom, and then we go right into the Australian Open. A lot of tennis to watch between now and then. Make sure you get out there and watch it. Uh, if it's available to you, it's probably on Tennis Channel or around there, and then the Australian Open is going to be here before you know it. That's a wrap on 2022. That is the beginning of 2023. I appreciate you listening this year. I, I'm so happy I still get to do this podcast every year. And I the good folks over at Believe, uh, believe in me to keep putting out these podcasts. Uh, and it's just been an absolute thrill. So I continue. I will continue into 2023. I'm excited about it. And I can't wait to follow more tennis with you, the listeners, and all those who support this podcast. So I appreciate it. And that's going to be it. Cheers to 2023, a better year ahead. A lot more is going to happen in that year. Oh, last thing, the Netflix special is going to come out in 2023, uh, early on in 2023 in January. We'll talk about that next episode, but that's something that's happening in 2023. It's called Breakpoint. You're going to want to watch it. All right, now I'm done. Cheers to the new year. Thanks for 2022 for all they've done for tennis. Thanks to you for listening. I'll see you next year. That's such a bad joke. I'll see you in 2023. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.